Hello and welcome to the Fabulously Feminine Podcast, Season 1, Episode 3. I'm your host, Anshay Lorin, and I'm so grateful to have you here with me today. So thank you so much for listening. If this is your first time listening, glad to have you and welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. Fabulously Feminine is produced every Monday for your listening pleasure. And each week, we honor and explore the essence of femininity and womanhood to join our uplifting and empowering community of like-minded women follow the podcast on your favorite podcast app and follow us on social media at fab them pod all right ladies so as you can tell by today's topic we are going to be talking all about hypergamy in today's episode now this was requested by you all over on our instagram account at fab pod if you are not following us please go ahead and give us a follow over on instagram i also post when the episodes drop every monday as i will do with this episode and i love to hear from you all give feedback and engage so definitely check us out over there and i also throughout the week will be posting opportunities for you to vote on the following week's episodes so definitely stay tuned for that so as i said today we will be diving into the concept of hypergamy now if you are unfamiliar with that term Hypergamy refers to the intentional practice of marrying or forming a relationship with a partner of a higher social or economic status. So today we're going to specifically explore the various levels of hypergamy, like I said, what exactly it means to be in a hypergamous relationship, the underlying psychology behind it, the influence of social media on it, and the implications in modern relationships. So a lot to tackle, so let's go ahead and get started. So to begin, let's start with exploring the underlying psychology behind hypergamy. Now, it's a complex phenomenon that has been influenced by various different factors, including evolutionary psychology and societal norms. Now, from an evolutionary perspective, hypergamy can be seen as a strategy for not only maximizing reproductive success, but also as a strategy that has been shaped by thousands of years of human history. In ancestral studies, women have always sought partners who could provide protection, resources, and support for themselves and their offspring. And also, if you think about in human history, going back years and years, again, cave women and beyond, women have always sought out naturally to be with a provider or for someone that has some type of a higher status, whether it be a king or just someone who is able to provide and protect for the family, the offspring, and for the woman. Now, it's crucial to recognize that in our modern society, Society and culture, we have obviously evolved. And so the motivation behind hypergamy has become even more complex, as you can probably imagine. Now today, hypergamy isn't solely about survival or reproduction as we are ages and ages from our just instinctual desires. We've been able to move past that and we've evolved as a society. So it's not just about survival. It's not just about reproduction anymore. But now it's also about personal fulfillment, self-actualization, and breaking free from limiting circumstances. Black women in particular face unique challenges due to our historical and systemic life circumstances and various factors, making the pursuit of hypergamy honestly a means to overcome these barriers and to help us create a better future. It makes sense that this is now becoming a trend or more talked about, and it explains why Black women in particular, again, given what a lot of us have been through growing up, what we've seen from other women in our family, we want to change that trend. And so it makes sense that we would naturally move in the opposite direction and go where we are able to be led by a protector and again,
and have that fulfilling life and be with someone who is able to provide that life that we desire. Now, societal influences, as I said before, also play a significant role in shaping our understanding of hypergamy. It has also opened the doors for it to become more of, you know, something that you hear in normal conversation, something that you see on TikTok, something that you see on Twitter as a conversation topic, when before this was a lot more hush-hush. With the recent influx of social media, we're now being exposed to a much more curated version of relationships and lifestyles, which can lead to unrealistic expectations and a heightened desire for hypergamy. We see it being put out into the world in a very particular way. So that in our minds becomes what we believe hypergamy is and what it should look like. So it's important and it's crucial that we critically evaluate these influences and influencers and recognize the potential for comparison and dissatisfaction. We talked about this a little bit in the very first episode on this podcast about breaking free from perfectionism. And this is a really good example of a lifestyle that can be portrayed in a particular way with only the positives being shown but there are some downsides potentially as well that we of course have to be on the lookout for now on our typical social media platforms like instagram tiktok and twitter as i said before we're being exposed to curated images and narratives that are often used to promote materialism unrealistic beauty standards and just this illusion of effortless perfection these day in the life videos that are nothing but shopping and eating out at fine dining restaurants. That is not, even for a hypergamous woman, that is not what the everyday looks like. And so these influences can lead us to this amplification of hypergamy as a goal, solely focused on external markers of success, the car, the clothes, you know, all of these physical things. How many Birkins does she have? How many Chanel's does this person have? And I will use that as a marker to determine if I can look to her as a hypergamous woman, as if that is some type of actual indicator of wealth or status. So I think it's important that as we really get into hypergamy, that we start honestly by marking a space in the sand and a line in the sand so that we do not confuse especially when we see it on social media, we do not confuse hypergamy with sugaring or the sugar baby lifestyle. This is nothing against the sugar baby lifestyle. This is nothing against sex work at all. Been there, done that. This is in no way a means to saying there's anything wrong with that lifestyle, but I think it's important that we speak on what it is and what it isn't. Now, hypergamous dating specifically focuses on forming a relationship with a partner of higher social or economic status. Again, the motivation for this is driven by stability and opportunity. Being a sugar baby specifically involves a transactional relationship where financial support is exchanged for companionship. Hypergamous dating aims for emotional connection and long-term commitment, a girlfriend, a wife, trophy wife. While being a sugar baby is often short-term and transaction-based. If you stop paying, they stop playing, right? Hypergamous dating has a more balanced power dynamic, whereas being a sugar baby may involve an impact balanced power dynamic with the sugar baby relying on the partner for financial support. In hypergamous relationships, they may do that as well, but the idea is also that they, you in this case, would be receiving from your partner, you know, different other types of aid and support from them versus a sugar baby, again, is getting a very fixed amount, whether that's per date or, you know, per transaction or, you know, 
per interaction with that person, per meet and greet that they do, or even they're getting an allowance versus a hypergamous relationship may include an allowance. But again, it is not purely based on the financial transaction and financial support. That is just a part of it. So it's crucial to approach hypergamy with a healthy mindset. It is not about seeking someone solely based on their material possessions or social status. It's actually about finding a partner who aligns with your values, your goals, and your aspirations who can also provide a supportive and nurturing environment for your personal growth. So as we kind of get into this more, let's really dive into the three different types of hypergamy so I can really paint a better picture. So there's three main types, financial, social, and emotional. Financial is the one that most of us know all about. Financial hypergamy refers to seeking a partner with a higher income or a partner with financial stability. Now, this level, level one, often arises from the desire for security access to resources, and the opportunity to improve one's standard of living. It's important to note the financial hypergamy shouldn't be misunderstood, as I just said, as seeking someone solely for their money. It's about finding a partner who can contribute to a shared vision of financial well-being and stability. So for example, someone that can help you towards your goal of starting a business, teaching you and giving you money to invest in rental property or in stocks, upgrading your lifestyle in some way. That is really the purpose of financial hypergamy. Now within financial hypergamy, there are a few additional types of levels essentially to financial hypergamy. So for context, you have level one, your basic financial stability. So at this level, financial hypergamy involves seeking a partner who possesses basic financial stability. So it may entail finding someone who can manage their finances responsibly, has a stable income, you know, your six-figure earner, your civil engineer, your chemical engineer, has a stable, um, you know, financial life, decent credit, you know, they're meeting their financial obligations, they've got some space in their budget for you, they can throw you a few bucks here and there, get you new tires, get you groceries, basic financial stability level one. Then there's level two. So this is an even more improved lifestyle of luxury and comfort. So this level of financial hypergamy involves seeking a partner who can provide an improved lifestyle and greater comfort. So this may include someone with a higher earner, maybe a doctor, a lawyer, a director, a CEO, entrepreneur, right? They have better job prospects, as I said, and often the ability to afford more luxuries and experiences that enhance your overall quality of life. So maybe fancier vacations instead of Miami, all expense paid, it's Bora Bora. You know, instead of getting a Lexus, you might get a Porsche Cayenne. You know, think of that next level where you're being upgraded, right? So again, pretty materialistic in a way, but again, it's just giving you like access to a life of higher comfort. Maybe you have a maid, maybe you have a nanny that's on this level. Then you have level three of the pyramid, right? <laughs> Which is the wealth accumulation and financial security level. So this level really focuses on finding a partner who has substantial wealth accumulation and offers a higher level of financial security. So it may involve seeking out someone who has significant assets, who has significant investments, or a prosperous business that can provide long-term financial stability and security. So often you will see this with older, retired uh, men. You will see that this in someone that has a passive income or has several properties that they manage and rent out, and they are able to just live off the dividends of their stocks and bonds and other investments. Um, you know, this is someone that if you lost your job tomorrow, not only can you be a stay-at-home mom, but they can make sure that you have 
have, you know, a savings account in the future. They can make sure that you have all of the luxuries that you could possibly need. And they are able, again, to help you accumulate significant wealth for yourself and for future generations to come. So your kid's college is going to be paid for. They have 529 set up for their future. They're going to pay, you know, help you pay for your, you know, the kid's house and their weddings and their cars. I mean, again, this is like borderline generational, but not quite generational wealth, but they are just able to set you and your family up, immediate family for success in the future and to really plan out years ahead. And this is someone that can also handle more long-term, I guess you could say emergencies. Or again, if you're a stay-at-home mom or wife or housewife, this is a, the 20-year housewife with the eight-carat ring on her finger, right? This is not necessarily the woman who's like couponing. Being a stay-at-home mom is such a privilege. But again, there is levels. So I just want to break that down. And then the final level, the tip of, of the iceberg here is the elite status and high society. So again, this is basically generational wealth, right? So at the highest level of financial hypergamy, you are going to be seeking out a partner who belongs to an elite class or quote unquote high society. So this level revolves around finding someone who is part of the upper echelons of wealth and social status. So honestly, at this point, think billionaires, think celebrities and influential figures, think individuals from prestigious families, you know, think um, about Miss Meghan Markle and how she was able to upgrade her life from Hollywood, you know, maybe what B-list actress all the way up to literally being a part of the British royal family. He's quite literally a royal at this point. So, you know, a princess, a duchess. That's what we're talking. Like I said, we're talking billionaires. We are talking very high society women at this point. Um, again, basically generational wealth, so on and so forth. You know, if you marry into a family of the Rothschild family or something like that, like that's the level that we're speaking of. Elite status, high society is the final tip of the iceberg level. Now, on the other end here, rolling back, social hypergamy is another type of hypergamy that is one of the three main types. So this involves specifically looking for a partner from a high, higher social class or background. So again, as I said, this kind of goes together with the generational wealth idea. This level of hypergamy stems from aspirations of upper mobility, cultural compatibility, or the desire just to navigate social networks that can provide additional opportunities. So in this example, someone that is focused on social hypergamy is really going to be focused on finding a partner that of course they're likely to have money but more importantly they are very well connected they can put you on specifically focused on the social implications so the money is important but the access at this level is even more important this person if this is you you were focused on upward mobility and the desire to navigate higher social classes okay again the money's going to come but you're really focused on the opportunity and then lastly we have emotional hypergamy now this emphasizes the pursuit of a partner who can provide emotional support understanding and security so this level focuses on developing a deeper connection and compatibility with someone on an emotional and psychological level so emotional hypergamy recognizes the significance of nurturing and fulfilling relationships that can contribute to your personal well-being and as I said at the top overall growth so hypergamy should not be limited to just solely again seeking partners who are financially or socially superior it is important to include an emphasis on emotional compatibility and support and by prioritizing emotional hypergamy we can create nurturing and fulfilling relationships that honestly overall contribute to our personal well-being now I will say that I feel like a lot of women get sucked into this one having never experienced the benefit of the others right so in my 
opinion, this should just be an addition to, you know, social hypergamy or an addition to one of the levels of financial hypergamy that applies to you or that interests you. I personally do not think that emotional hypergamy on its own, right? And emphasizing emotional support and understanding should like, that's just where it ends with hypergamy. Again, it's on upgrading your life and upgrading your class, upgrading your finances. And there is a space for being emotional. There's a space for security and for support and emotional compatibility. But like I said, I think that that should be a part of any good relationship. And in my opinion is not its own standalone, but I did want to highlight it as it is technically a type of hypergamy to engage in. Now, all of this is to say that this is particularly relevant for black women because hypergamy has always been present throughout history and various cultures and is often rooted in a desire for security and better opportunities. And so to me, for me, for black women to pursue hypergamy not only is really a slap in the face to history and it really shuts down this notion that as black women we deserve less, as black women we aren't as worthy as black women, oh those type of men don't want us. It really shuts all of that down and it proves that we are able to be so emotionally complex, understanding beings, highly educated, the stats speak for themselves. Black women are some of the most educated women, the most educated people in the country, in the United States, if this is where you live. So I just think that it's important that black women realize the leverage that we have in hypergamy because it can truly provide access to the resources, the stability, and the chance to break the generational cycles of poverty that so many of us millennial women and older really treasure and really prioritize. We want our children, we want the next generation, our nieces and nephews to be better and to have access and hypergamy is the way to do so and it is the intentional choice to specifically seek out partners that are able to put us in those positions. In saying that and speaking on black women, I think that it's important to note as well that there's a space for black men in hypergamy. I do not like when I enter some of these, you know, Facebook groups and other types of conversations on Reddit and Twitter and to see the discourse among black men and women where we're going at each other. There is a space for black men that are high earners, that love us, and that are waiting and ready and willing to provide us this hypergamous lifestyle. We may have to find them. They may have to find us. We have to connect. There is a process there to dating, um, you know, specifically seeking out this type of person. I'll be doing a whole separate episode on that in the future. But again, there is a space for black men and black women to engage in these relationships together. Date outside your race if you choose to, but I just like to put that out there as a black woman that is dating a black man, they are out there. All right. <laughs> so with that being said, hypergamy just should not be seen as a means to an end or a way to solely focus on material gain, right? It is not just about the cars, the shoes, the maids. It's not just about that, the private school. It's about creating a balanced and fulfilling partnership that supports your personal growth and your mutual goals. You have to both be on the same page or they're going to spot you as a quote unquote gold digger from a mile away. And you're honestly going to be feigning interest the entire relationship and it's going to be really uncomfortable because you truly don't want to be there. You're just there for a few dollars. And at that point, maybe just consider the sugaring lifestyle. As I said before, for black women specifically, I think that one of the main implications of hypergamy in modern relationships is that it encourages women, including black women, to seek partners who specifically value and respect them. I always say I only go where I'm wanted, needed, and watered. And I mean that. It's important that we find partners that value and that respect us and hypergamy, in my opinion, gives us a path to that type of access. Now, 
it's really important that we strike a balance in that. So hypergamy is not just, you know, a way to lead to a, an objectification or even a commodification of individuals, a way to use people. It's essential to foster genuine connections and build relationships based on shared values and trust and emotional intimacy. Because as I just said, they will see it from a mile away. You will know it from a mile away. And that's no real way to build a relationship, a marriage, and a true genuine connection if you're really both only there for one thing. There are other ways to get what you need, but not by using someone. I am not a fan of that. I do not support that. You will not hear that here on this podcast. So there are some ways that you can, you know, kind of point out and some red flags to watch for if you are in a hypergamous dating relationship currently, or it is something that you want to pursue in the future. So one of them being the most obvious, again, a focus on materialism. So if the man that you were talking to and dating is primarily emphasizing constantly their financial status and their social status and they're a member of this club and they know this person and look at my bank statement and on top of that they show little interest in emotional connection or compatibility this is a pretty big red flag okay flash warning being flashy (laughs) is just for me personally a turn off but hypergamy should involve a balance of again compatibility values and then yes someone that can take you to that next level but someone that is like just out there and not only is it dangerous for someone to show you know strange women their bank account statements but if they are constantly emphasizing and flashing the things that they have it makes me wonder what don't you have what are you lacking on the inside that you need to overcompensate by showing me all of your cars and your clothes what else do you have to offer ask yourself that when you see this type of person that is focused on materialism and the same can be said about you in return if you are all about the clothes the cars the flashiness what is a person going to see when they look at you what happens when you take all of that off at night or when it all goes away or if something happens who are you at your core that is what you should really be focusing on and building connections with other people in emotional compatibility shared values can't say it enough right something else to look for see it all the time controlling behavior especially when we involve money and bills you have to watch out and be on even higher alert for controlling behavior because when someone has the power to feed you as they say they also have the power to starve you so if you notice that your partner or you know potential partner is attempting to dictate your choices isolating you from your your friends and family gaslighting you and just really being you know very controlling over financial matters asking you you know to check in with them before you buy something from the grocery store or your stay-at-home mom but hey you can't have access to my credit card even though you and the kids might need something because that just doesn't work for me you know I just don't want you to it's my money and it's not yours not ours it's mine stay away from a person like that red flag leave immediately if you need access to resources DM me privately I will do what I can to get you the help that you need but I assure you that is not the type of person that you want to be with another big red flag a lack of emotional connection I know I said it before I said it before I'm gonna say it again I'm gonna say it again because I think it's under discussed on this topic if your partner seems uninterested in you disconnected emotionally and is primarily focused on the external aspects of the relationship the materialism the money the status the sex even it is going to indicate a lack of genuine connection they do not care about you they have no emotional investment in you this is just purely a transaction which I said there are easier ways to get what you need emotional compatibility is an important aspect of any relationship and hypergamy in my opinion as i said it is what separates you from just being a sugar baby emotional compatibility 
is essential. Another big red flag, disregard for equality and for respect. If your man is consistently treating you like you are inferior or belittling you based on your financial status because you don't have as much money as him, because you don't come from a wealthy family, because his social status or his, you know, high society lifestyle is more lavish than yours, red flag, red flag, red flag, leave immediately. Do not be with someone that brings you down and belittles you and degrades you and humiliates you. That is no way to live. And I assure you of nothing else, if you take away nothing else, you do not deserve that. You do not deserve that. Just because this person is able to elevate your lifestyle, you will do and bring things to his life as well. Do not allow someone to belittle you based off of those reasons or any reasons, but especially not for financial or social reasons. They're not better than you because they have access. Again, they just bring something else to the table and you have your own strengths as well. And then lastly, financial abuse. This was sort of mentioned in you know the controlling portion, but really just to hone in on that, pay attention to signs specifically of financial abuse. So as I said, this is controlling your access to money. No, you can't know, you know, what bank accounts that I have. You can't know how much is in them. You can't know passwords, you know, limiting just your overall financial independence. You can't work. I don't want you to work. They may not say it that harshly, but the underlying message is, I don't want you to work. I don't want you to make your own money. Or they're just pressuring you into financial arrangements that honestly just make you uncomfortable. If you're someone that says, hey, I need to have a safety net in case this relationship goes wrong and they say, no, this relationship's going to be perfect, clear it out or give it to me or hand me the passwords to your bank statements or give me the keys and I'm going to, you know, pay your car note. But it's just kind of weird that the car people keep sending you missed payment notifications in your email. Things like that are going to be major red flags. If you are in a hypergamous relationship focused on financial hypergamy, yes, there is a bit of give and take. And I'm sure obviously it's going to become a topic of conversation at some point. They may want to take over certain things. That's fine. But still having a maintaining a sense of financial autonomy and open communication are going to be crucial to ensure that you guys are not stepping over and crossing the line into financial abuse. So overall, ladies, as we conclude today's episode, I just want to say that it's essential to remember that hypergamy is a personal choice and every individual's journey is going to be unique. Every man is unique. Every woman is unique. So it's important to approach hypergamy with intentionality and self-awareness and specifically on personal growth. Okay. So with that being said, it's time for you to take action and honestly take matters into your own hands. Reflect on your own desires, your goals, your values. Consider what aspect of hypergamy that I've discussed throughout this episode truly resonates with you and how it aligns with your vision for your personal life. Sit down, you know, make a list write it out. Think about what you want your future to look like and what type of person you want to be aligned with. Okay. So honestly, I, I just overall hope that one of the main takeaways, as I said before, the emotional connection and emotional intimacy is so important. It's not just about the glitz, the glamour, the money, and how they want to portray it on social media. There's so much more to hypergamy. That again is the overall point to upgrade your life. But if someone's giving you money and making you feel bad, is that really an upgrade? We have to ask ourselves those hard questions. So as always, if you found this episode insightful and thought-provoking, I encourage you to share with your friends, your family, and honestly, anyone who you think might benefit from exploring the concept of hypergamy. I'm hoping that together we can foster conversations that empower women to pursue their aspirations and overall to create fulfilling relationships. All I want is for all of you ladies to hear the sound of my voice, to be fulfilled, to find partners that love and care about you and want to help you elevate into your goals. If your goal is 
to enter high society. I hope that you find that partner. If you are interested in securing financial stability for yourself and your kid or just for yourself, I want you to find that. I know that you will find that. And I hope that today's breakdown has given you a little bit more insight into hypergamy and what it really looks like. So as always, thank you again for listening. Don't forget to reach out over on social media at FabFemPod. I would love to hear your thoughts. Let me know what you think. Let me know what you guys brainstorm. Like, what are you thinking in terms of what type of hypergamy ultimately appeals to you the most? What type of hypergamous relationship are you in now? What does that look like for you? I really want to get the conversation going and to get the discourse started. So please definitely reach out to us there and all the other social media platforms. Please don't forget to also rate and subscribe this podcast wherever you are listening to us. And that's all for today's episode, ladies. So until next time, stay fierce, stay fabulous, and stay feminine.